0: Relationship Rewire is made possible by support from its listeners, so please hit pause and go to growinglovenetwork.org and click on the donate button. Go ahead, we'll be glad to wait. Welcome to another episode of Relationship Rewire, where we talk about what's wrong and what's right with marriage and relationships in our world today. This episode is titled, When Marriage Meets PTSD, and our guests are Sarah and John Dale. Well, hello and welcome to this episode of Relationship Rewire, and I've got two guests that I'm really excited about uh, bringing to you today. Their names are John Dale and Sarah Dale. John and Sarah have been married. How long have you been married?
1: Nine years.
0: Nine years. And they are involved in a program, a uh, ministry of sorts called Reboot Combat Recovery. I'm going to have them tell you some more about that. But they're a very interesting story, and it's not just interesting, I think their story is pretty common. Uh, I know that working with a lot of couples in Love Reboot, we've had so many of them have similar stories, and that's the story of one spouse returning as a vet from uh, Iraq, Afghanistan, or other places, and trying to readjust to civilian life and also their spouse doing the same uh, especially when they're dealing with PTSD and that's what John and Sarah's uh, story is in brief but I think you're going to find them telling it a little bit more interesting so first of all uh, John would you tell us this organization Reboot Combat Recovery just a brief explanation of what they do
1: Sure so uh, we are 501c3 nonprofit, and uh, our focus is to help veterans and their families uh, find healing from moral and spiritual wounds from combat, and we do that by facilitating um, 12-week combat trauma healing courses in local communities across the U.S., and so, you know, folks would go to a church or community center or some some place on base, and they would meet for two hours um, every week. They tackle a different topic, um, things from like um, forgiveness, uh, shame, grief, uh, guilt, or identity, and uh, they learn skills to aid in their healing, and also community is built, which is. Uh, vital yeah. and a lot of our courses will also offer a uh, meal and child care and that enables the spouse or caregiver or family member to participate in the course with the veteran yeah. uh, because combat that affects the whole
0: family not just the veteran so. yeah and so uh, Sarah you've been involved in this as well tell us what you do with, uh, with these um, groups right so John
2: groups together in the past. We've done three, actually, and it's also influenced my work as an artist and a filmmaker, and um, now that's where I invest my time and energy my projects in helping veteran caregivers uh, like myself tell their stories and
0: find healing through art and film. Because this affected you as well, and um, you... Uh, suffered with um, what you call, what would be called, secondary post-traumatic stress disorder, correct?
2: Exactly, yes. Um, A lot of um, folks who are caring for veterans, um, they might, over time, uh, develop caregiver fatigue um, if they're not taking care of themselves, um, and then that can develop into secondary post-traumatic stress, and you can actually take on um, the symptoms that your veteran has, um, which I did. Depression, anxiety, panic attacks, um, multiple other symptoms. And if that goes untreated, you can actually develop full-blown PTSD from the whole situation. And I know um, several caregivers that that unfortunately has happened
0: to them. Yes, and this is something that's not talked about much. I, I'll probably a lot of people don't even know about it. So this is, uh, I think, is going to be really helpful. Is your marriage getting worse instead of better? Has there been talk of separation? Or is either spouse considering divorce? If any of these apply, then Love Reboot is your answer. Come join the hundreds of couples who were once in despair and headed for divorce, but are now experiencing a thriving, growing relationship after attending a Love Reboot weekend. Visit us at growinglovenetwork.org for more information on an upcoming Love Reboot workshop. Hello, this is Max Locato. You're listening to Relationship Rewire. So, okay, uh, let's go back in time a bit. So the two of you were married nine years ago. What was that? 2007. uh, And uh, correct me if I'm wrong here. uh, It was, you had started dating right before John went off and then got married right when he came back from his last deployment. How did that happen? Was it, am I wrong? uh, That's right. Yeah, we did
2: did start dating right before he left um, for his last deployment in Iraq with the Army in 2005. Um, and then when he came back at the end of the year, we continued dating. And we dated for another year before we got engaged. And um, that was 2006, that was 10 years ago when we got engaged and then a year later we got married. So we were actually still in school. We were finishing
0: uh, college um, when we got married. Okay, Um, so was there a difference between uh, when you first kind of fell in love and and, uh, then when John got back from his last deployment?
2: You know, I remember his um, transition being a struggle, and it it was slightly awkward, but we had also, we'd always had a long-distance relationship, so living in the same town for the first place was also a challenge. Um, but we didn't live together then, so we definitely had time and space to, you know, go to our separate apartments, and yeah. uh, and John can speak to this, but it, he was certainly struggling adjusting, but I didn't really see much of it at all because we didn't live together.
0: Okay, yeah, so uh, like with almost all couples, um, you don't really see that other person till you're sharing a, a roof and bills and all that kind of stuff. Right. And, 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 and even the other person, you can each be great people, but that's still just a huge stressor. And, um, because you're, you're negotiating all that together and you're both saying, Hey, this is the way well, we always did it growing up. And the other person saying that's stupid, this is the, the way you do it. And, um, and so there's that, that conflict and trying to change each other's ways, and then that makes things harder. But then you have on top of all this, uh, the ads, the much added stressor of, of PTSD. Well, um, uh, for those viewers who are listening, I'm, I can see John, but you can't right now. He's actually stretching his neck because he's got some bulge discs and some other uh, problems. Um, and John, so you went off and you didn't have one uh, pinpoint incident that you could say, this is when, um, I was injured in Iraq. You don't have, there was no, uh, you were in a Humvee and an IED went off under you or shot or anything like that. Just a lot of different, uh, the things that happened in combat that, that piled up. And so you had a hard time, um, dealing with that as well. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So, I
1: mean, um, I got, I got back at the end of 2005 and about a year later is when I started to notice that some, some things were going wrong with my physical body. And, um, the more as time went on and the more I went to doctors and try to figure it out, um, it, it, became clear that, you know, there was, there was, uh, um, problems with, with my neck, um, and those continued to get worse. And, uh, and it, it got to the point where I had to let my chain of command know um, because there's a, there's a certain point in there where if you're, if you're not able to do your job and you have to deploy, you could end up getting other people hurt. And so I didn't want to do that. Um, so it got to the point where I had to let somebody know. And, you know, I, I knew what was going to happen as soon as I did that. Um, they were going to start the medical discharge process because at that time the guard really didn't have the ability to rehabilitate anyone. They just let you go. And um, so that's and that's basically what happened. But what made the process a lot more difficult and took a lot longer was there was not a specific mechanism of injury that, that, that caused my problems. Um, and so it was, it was tough to prove it and – you know, it just it took a long time to get the help that I needed, and that, I think that was that was part
0: of it. And and you're still dealing with some of that chronic pain, right? You're uh, doing some pain management and things.
1: Right, right. You know, I, I, I think we've we've I, I've tried a lot of different things, and, and we've got it down to you know I, I I see a chiropractor and an acupuncturist once a week. And that seems to be the best uh, treatment for now. And, um, you know, I'm, I get I get around fairly well, um, but I have to take a couple breaks a day. I meditate. I ice my neck tw- twice a day. Um, and, it, you know, it's something I'm going to have to live with. So.
0: There was a time, though, when you were um, medicating not just with your uh, physical wounds, but uh, those you call them moral and spiritual wounds, and um, uh, you found yourself on the bathroom floor. What? What? Uh, tell us about that.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I in our in our course we talk about um, going through the valley and not camping out in the valley. Like, don't pitch your tent in the valley well i i pitched my tent in the valley for way too long and while i was there um i used alcohol to try and medicate the physical pain that i was having as well as uh the loss of identity of not being a soldier anymore and and, um, i I think a lot of us struggle with that when we're not wearing the uniform anymore and that's and that's why that's a that's a topic in our uh, course But for me, um, one of the turning points that was a wake-up call for me when I knew that the wheels were falling off was about the third time that I had polished off a bottle of Crown Royal and was sitting on the bathroom floor, um, I knew that if I ended up there again, I was going to use my pistol on myself that I had in the other room. And, And so... I sold it. I sold my pistol because I, I knew that if I ended up drunk again, I was going to end it. And, um, and that, that, was, that was one of the wake-up calls.
0: So that was one of those ways of pulling up your tent pegs, selling that pistol. Yeah,
1: yeah, yep. Yeah.
0: And, right. and during this, uh, around about this time, Sarah, you had um, kind of hit a low point, too. You were um, off in t- somewhere else. Tell, tell us about that.
2: struggle for us and that is actually really common the more people that I talk to is that often the caregivers hit rock bottom after their veteran does because you know they're the ones that has to keep it together you know you're keeping the whole family going a lot of caregivers I talk to it's not just their veteran they're keeping children going and you have it it all together so when your parent gets rock bottom, like you you don't have space to to, to lose it. Um, so that was the case for myself as well, that um, when when John was in you know the depths of, of his struggle, I was still in this process of focusing on helping him, getting him what he needed, and not taking care of myself. So it was actually a little while later that once um, John started to get the help that he needed, um, physically, mentally, and spiritually, then my wheels really started to come off because I couldn't maintain you know, the way that I was living any longer because I also had issues that I was not dealing with. I was taking care of myself, and then I, I hit rock bottom later. And like I said, that secondary trauma, I had... Started to show these same symptoms that John did, like depression and
0: anxiety and panic attacks, and got to the point that I was suicidal as well. And that was my huge wake-up call that
2: um, I could not continue on, you know, in the way in the way that things were. Something had to change.
0: So it sounds like part of um, what you were dealing with, Sarah, is, is um, not feeling like you had the right to be struggling either, that that you had to put all your effort into helping John and you weren't allowing yourself to uh, say, hey, I'm hurting too?
2: Absolutely. Yeah, I felt that way for years, that his needs are more important than mine. Um, and, and that's something I think family members often feel. And I hear the people tell me that it feels like the veteran is more important because they're the person, you know, that... "Quote unquote served," you know that they're the ones that are hurting. You know that they matter more than I do, and so absolutely, I think that mentality led me to not taking care of myself and figuring out, you know, what I needed to be the healthiest person that I could be.
0: And I would imagine John at the same. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. On you know,
2: the, the family caregiving side, you can't keep going that way. You know, that's why they say put on your own oxygen mask first. Like you're no help to anybody.
0: Right. If you are at rock bottom. Yeah. If you're not taking care of yourself. Right. And I would imagine, John, at the same time, um, part of that coming back and adjusting and dealing with those um, those things that are going on inside your head and soul and heart. Uh, you're feeling like, well, I, I can't come back and be a burden to others. And so feeling kind of like you have to struggle alone and uh, in isolation.
1: Right. Yeah. And that's, that's what, that's what I think a lot of us deal deal with is, you know, when, when we're, when we're in, when we're wearing a uniform, when we're a part of a team, we've, we've got people around us that we can trust that, that look after us. We take care of each other. And when we're not doing that anymore, uh, we're a, a, a lot of times we're going through this by ourselves, and um, isolation is just a breeding ground for lots of really dark, dangerous things that that you can find yourself getting getting into, and and that's that's one of the great things about our course is that you know we're building community as a result, and isolation can't survive in community and and so that's you
0: know yes we're learning skills to aid in healing but we're 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 also learning how to rely on each other again and take care of each other yeah that seems like such a huge takeaway that somebody could get from this well anybody i mean we do not we, we 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 die in isolation we 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 thrive in community and uh um and that's part of the biggest part of, of uh, people coming back, vets coming back, is they had that strong community, and it's just all of a sudden taken away from you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, um. So, uh, what are what what's uh, one or two big things that that people are are getting from being part of? Uh, uh, you said that uh, having building community. What else are they uh, coming away from uh, uh, Reboot Combat Recovery with?
1: Yeah, so, um, so like I mentioned earlier, it's a 12-week course, and the turning point for a lot of folks that go through the course is on week seven. And that's when we talk about forgiveness. And even even the spouses and caregivers and family members that go through with the veteran, like they've got their own – Areas that they need to forgive themselves in and forgive other people and so that that's a huge turning point for a lot of folks to go through the course because You know and the, the 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 way that that it's that it's been for me is that it feels like weight So it's been weight that I've carried around in my rucksack for for way too long and so for a lot of us on week seven that forgiveness like we can take it out of our backpack and we can let it go and we don't have to carry it around anymore. And so we experience freedom as a result of that. And, um, it's just, it's huge. It's a, it's a big night for a lot of folks.
0: Yeah. I I worked with a, um, World War II veteran for about a year. This has been 20 years ago, but, uh, it took me several sessions to realize he was telling me about things that had happened in, in that war that he had been involved in and, and he had never told anybody before. And, and I, it took me a while to realize what he's really asking for. He didn't want to process all this. He's looking for forgiveness. And, um, uh, but you know, for years he'd been telling himself forgiveness for what? I didn't do anything wrong. I followed my orders. I did what soldiers have to do. Um, can you speak to that, John?
1: Uh, yeah, so um, yeah, so that's that's something that's common that happens to a lot of folks that go through our course. I mean, in fact, I had a conversation with a Vietnam veteran not too long ago that that had um, emailed us, and, and I'm I'm the I'm the one that that gets to talk to a lot of those folks that reach out to us, and he was telling me how um, he had he had just been able to tell his family that he fought in Vietnam, and this was after he had worked at a factory job for like you know thirty some years, and it wasn't until he retired that that he that he finally you know had had like all those feelings came flooding back, be because he he just like poured himself into work all those years and refused to deal with any of it and then so when he didn't have a job anymore um he really had a lot of trouble in fact and he had to do an uh in an inpatient care stint with the va um and that that was that was really tough for him but yeah and and he told me all this stuff and broke down over the phone and so this is these are these are common stories and you know, that, that's, that's what's so great about this course is that it's a safe place for this stuff to come out. And, you know, you, you, you've got to bring things out of hiding in order for them to get healed. And that, that's what happens when folks go through the course.
0: Do you think some people uh, don't want, they, they, they think that um, this is not something that needs healing because I was just doing what you're supposed to do?
1: Yeah, I I think that, that that is something that's common, and it, it's it's not it's not really a matter of um, not understanding that you were following orders, but even orders that would seem lawful in combat still go against your moral compass, you know. And I I think everyone has a moral compass of some sort. Yeah, and so you know, even if even if you were Following orders that were in alignment with the rules of engagement of the battlefield, and you were told to do something and you did it, that that doesn't mean that you shouldn't struggle with with having to make that
0: choice. Yeah, yeah, and,
1: yeah. Does that answer the question?
0: Yeah, I we think so. Spend
2: the whole week talking about guilt and all the different types right. of guilt, and that's a big reason why people don't feel like they can say anything. You know, you might have um, survivor's guilt. You might feel like, well, you know, my injuries or my problems aren't as big as this person's, or I survived and they didn't, so I don't deserve to struggle. And, you know, there's a whole host of things. And um, John, jump in if I'm, you know, forgetting what we talk about all these different kinds. There's false guilt. Um, but we, we go through and that. That's one of the things that we specifically outline for people, like, to help them see, you know, like this could be holding you back.
0: Um, well, that sounds, Sarah, like that. What you're saying then, a lot of spouses, caregivers, are dealing with the same thing that a lot of veterans are. That you're comparing what you've had to go through to to other people, and it doesn't seem as bad. So you should just swallow it and and deal with it yourself right absolutely and that's what's so great
2: about the family members um, doing this course with their veterans because number one like they can learn what their veterans been going through and hear you know the language that we have to describe it and that gives them language to then talk about it at home but then also like they can think about these concepts and how it applies to their life as well so exactly I had just had to think about How do I feel guilty that I don't deserve, you know, to be suffering, that John is the one that deserves to be suffering? Or I think about what do I need to forgive? You know, forgive myself, forgive John, forgive others. It's holding me back.
0: And not everybody has a shared language for talking about that. And um, for a lot of people, art is a language to talk about. So you have brought that into the process for helping people. So tell us a little bit about what you do there, Sarah. It's definitely what I try to do with my artwork is that, um,
2: art can be a, a place where we can reveal things, um, or discuss things or feel things that we don't feel like we're allowed to do, you know, in like normal conversation or normal life. Um, but we can do it in art um, or sometimes art enables us to do things that we can't do in real life, and that gives some kind of power. Um, like, for example, I have this project called um, Flowers from the VA. And what I've done is actually taken John's VA paperwork from his, uh, John, what was it, five years that it, it took?
1: Yeah, five or six
2: years. It's five-year battle with the VA to try and, and get help for his injuries and I took that paper and I turned it into flowers. And so, for me... It's, Turning it's
0: bureaucracy poetic, into flowers.
2: <laughs> it's a poetic act of taking something that was such a mess and was so traumatic for us. Because that process was certainly traumatic for John. When he got out of the military and the military told him, like, if you need help, go to the VA. They will help you. And then he went there and they called him a liar and said, we don't want to help you. So, that was, that was very traumatic. And that was, you know, trauma compacting trauma and we talked about that in the course but yeah. for me it's something therapeutic to take this mess and say like i'm going to make something beautiful out of this because there's so much in our lives um as caregivers that is out of our control so what's that's it, one of the things that that
0: i do what's an example of somebody that uh you've helped to sarah that you or you've helped or seen uh, being helped by this um uh, one of the caregivers, as you call them, or spouses of a veteran, or
2: you know, what's most rewarding for me is when you know people see the things that I'm putting out there about my story, um, or sharing the stories of others, and you know, they tell me, you know, it's amazing. Like, I, I didn't know that I wasn't the only one. Like I've said those exact same things. You know, I also have this Instagram project called. When war comes home, and what it is is that I use the app Instagram, and I find these, you know, caregivers, spouses, family members sharing their daily life, their daily struggles on Instagram, and their their contemporary post-war life, like a picture waiting in the VA, or just after a seizure, or sorting medicines—the stuff that most Americans don't see—they share it online, and then. I grab these all collectively and repost them to this feed. And so we have all these caregivers that are following this feed and interacting with it and oh. saying, yep, yeah, that was just me last night. And they're encouraging each other and finding out they're not alone. And, and that's that's what means a lot to yeah. me.
0: Feeling understood has huge healing power, doesn't it?
2: Right. And yeah. back to John's point about isolation just like the veterans feel isolated the family members feel isolated in their struggles as well they don't feel like they can talk about it with anybody you don't feel like you can say something to your family you know or your friends you're supposed to just smile and say we're good and you know people say thank you for your service and we all just smile and go about our lives and we're fine and keep carrying on you know but it's just not real life <laughs> it's, it's really
0: hard yeah Well, John, can you think of, uh, does any big story come to the top of your head of something that you've seen through all this uh, with somebody else?
1: Our hope is that folks that go through the course are able to uh, then go on and find their place and find purpose in their pain. And that's, that's something that we, that we talk about in the course is like, we can't promise that your symptoms are going to go away. Um, but we can, um, promise that after you go through the course, you are going to start to see that it's possible to have joy again, and that it's possible to find purpose in your pain. And so, you know, um, one of, one of the guys on our staff, um, his name's Brian. You know, he's a, he's a, he's another guy that's kind of got a story like mine. He got hurt. um, Didn't really know what his place in life was. And, you know, now is on our staff. He also works for a a local university where he lives that helps veterans, uh, you know, get the, get the education that they need and helps them, navigate that system. And so, you know, it's, it's one of those things about like, it's, it's not over. Um, When, when you, when you get hurt or when you're no longer wearing the uniform, like that doesn't mean that life is over, but I thought, I thought it was like, I was convinced that that was it for me. I didn't, I had no idea what, what was next, but um, going through our force and certainly going through the love Reboot workshop that you and your wife do um, that that really uh, you know helped help me see that there was something else that, that that there was hope and that my wife can still go along and be
0: a traveling companion with me in that journey hmm. that we could do it together. That's great. Well, you, did you do the the love reboot before or after you started the uh, reboot combat recovery? It was
1: about the same time. So they were. I'm trying to remember exactly. Sarah, do you remember the timing? Like, like we had done one course and then we went to their work, workshop. Or ah, do you remember?
2: We had done. Yes, I think that's right. We had done one course, mm-hmm. and you know that helped us a lot, but that wasn't you know quite enough. And then we yeah did the love reboot course, and what was so. Great about doing that course is that again, what the Love Reboot course offered is um, explaining, you know, these concepts to us about how we related to each other and giving us language and um, ways to talk about it. And there are also, there are a couple things, um, so many things I could say about the Love Reboot that really saved our, our marriage and our lives. Um, but there were a few specific things that we, that had really helped us a lot, and we actually bring those concepts into um, when we're teaching the Reboot Combat Recovery courses, um, and like one of those, I think there's so many, I can say one of the biggest ones is that fear is a self-fulfilling prophecy, and we had not heard that until we were at the Love Reboot Weekend, and that is something that is John and I have really grown around and have learned. To identify when we are relating with each other out of fear, or we're making decisions out of fear, um, or pushing away from each other out of fear. And it's something that gives us so much power now that we can see what that is and call it out and, you know, get to the bottom of that rather than just reacting off of our fears.
0: Yeah, I was going to say so, a big part of all this. Processes the the things you're going on, uh, you're dealing with individually, but um, the relational help. uh, I think so many people come back, and even if you're getting the help with yourself, um, there you you still have to learn to relate. And so uh, a a lot of people don't understand that uh, we are not born to know how to relate well. It's something we learn and get better at over a lifetime, or we just get worse at it if we're not getting better um what john uh what did you get if anything from the love reboot
1: yeah so the um the part about the mirror was a big, big one for me about knowing that um i was i was the one responsible for changing myself and that um sarah couldn't do anything and you know i there there's another part of this that I really didn't see till later,
0: is that the VA and the Department of, De- of the of Defense and and all these other folks that
1: that are supposed to be there to you know help help us out. Um, I I think that we as individuals have more power over our own health than than we give ourselves credit for, and and that a lot of us rely on other people to show up and save the day, and, some, and sometimes those expectations are not realistic. And so, like, but it all kind of started with this concept of the mirror that we learned in your, in your workshop that, like, it's really on me to, to go get the help that I need um, and that nobody can do that. Except, except for me. Um, the other one that was really impactful was the one about boundaries and <clears throat> how um, I had to put up boundaries for myself uh, if I wanted to be a healthier person. And uh, like like Sarah said a second ago, I mean, we've, we've taken some of the things from the Love Reboot work, Workshop and are using them in this course. Um, and it, it's been it's been really great to kind of give those uh, tools to to our to the participants of the course they really seem to get a lot of value from them
0: no that's so, great I'm, I'm glad to see that's uh, that what happened there is being taken forward uh, paid forward you know something uh, you, you said John reminded me of, of uh, there's probably people listening that are not necessarily um, directly affected by war or being veteran or spouse or family member but uh, there's a, a very common thing that happens just within churches it's you know we 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 kind of count on the church and I don't mean necessarily the institutional church but maybe that as well but the people um, that that they are the the ones that um, are supposed to get me through my hard times, and there's, there's some truth to that. Uh, we are responsible to help each other, share the load, but ultimately, um, uh, we really are not even going to get that help if we're totally depending on, on the church, uh, to, to give us our help. We, we ultimately have to seek directly from God to get that help. And, and, uh, and it'd be between he and ourselves. Well, um, if you were uh, getting close to running out of time here I wanted to ask each of you Sarah if there was something that uh, just one piece of advice you could give to a um, caregiver a spouse a family member a friend of a veteran um, what would it be? Yeah I
2: that we learned that Love Reboot was life changing and because for me, this idea that you can't change your mate, that completely turned things around for me because I realized that focusing all my energy on, you know, what I would have said was quote unquote helping John, but really I was trying to change him, like focusing all that energy there just drove me crazy and it meant that I wasn't taking care of myself. So I just, I drove myself into my own pit of suffering. And, but when I started to look in the mirror and decide what do I need, you know, instead of thinking about how does John need to change so that my needs are met, instead of when I focus on what do I need, what can I do for me, you know, what boundaries can I create, you know, for myself so I can be, you know, as healthy as I can be. That changed everything, and that meant that my secondary traumatic um, symptoms could could lift because I could focus on what I needed so that I didn't have anxiety, you know, or focus on doing the things that I needed to do so I could be healthy and not, you know, sit in depression. So that's my, my main piece of advice is to... Put on your own oxygen mask first and take care of yourself because one, you are worth it, and two, you'll be able to care for the people that you love better if you are the best version of yourself.
0: That's a great, great piece of advice. John, how about you? What, what, uh, if, if there's a veteran listening to this right now and he's or she is struggling and, and saying, uh, I, I, I don't know if I can deal with this any longer, what would you tell them?
1: Uh, yeah, so I, I would I would say that, you know, we are made up of a mind, body, and soul, and that, at least for me, I, I went and tried to get help from folks that dealt with the mind and the body and I didn't really understand that my soul might have been wounded as well from from combat. Um, and so, what I I think
0: I think a lot of folks that end up going through our course is they've tried all this other stuff, and they're 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 willing to
1: give something weird like moral injury or spiritual stuff a try, but it's it, it it ends up being so impactful that it really helps all that other stuff that you're trying to do on the side be more effective. So for an example, the first time I went through our 12 week combat trauma healing course, the, the counseling that I was getting from a, ther- a therapist at the VA Vet Center was so much more effective because I was able to really tackle those roots of trauma Um, and so what she was trying to do to help me was a lot more effective so um, so I I think I think just to summarize that I would say that if you've tried lots of other things and they haven't been effective like give reboot a chance so if you if you want to look at just the stats and I think those speak for themselves. You know, this last May we've had over a thousand people that have completed the course since we started in 2011. And and none of those folks have died by suicide. And so that that tells me that that we are we are something that is that's being effective at pushing that back. And so if you've tried other stuff that hasn't worked, give reboot. A chance i can tell you firsthand that it is effective
0: that's really some good statistics um where all do these happen how can somebody are they happening just in your area yeah so the way that we do things is that we help folks in their local community
1: facilitate these courses rather rather than having one central place where everybody comes to, we flip that on its, on its head. So these courses are led by veterans. They're led by spouses and family members. And so in order to go through a course, there has to be one in your community. So you can go to uh, our website, rebootrecovery.com. You can see what locations we currently have courses in. And then also on the website, if there's not a course in your location, go start one. You know, that's how Sarah and I got involved with this in the first place. There were there were no courses that were meeting in the Washington, D.C. area where we were living. So in order to get the help we needed, we had to facilitate this course ourselves. That was the only way to do it. And it was worth it, right? So if there's not one in your
0: area, take a bold step and start one yourself. Okay. And so if they wanted to learn about doing that uh, or... Coming to one that's uh, already available, they just go to uh, Reboot. Wait, no, it's a uh, yeah, Reboot Combat.com, right? Oh, sorry. Reboot Oh, okay. Maybe I'll edit that out. RebootRecovery.com. And Sarah, um, for people to see what you're doing with your art and uh, how you're helping uh, caregivers and um, spouses, uh, where can they go to, to find out about that? Sure,
2: they can check out my website, which is Sarah, Sarah with an H-S-A-R-A-H, Dale, D-A-L-E, studios.com. So that's SarahDaleStudios.com. And my email is on that website as well, info at SarahDaleStudios.com. And anyone can contact me if they want to learn more about my projects or just have another caregiver spouse to
0: talk to. Okay, that's great. I am so excited about what you two are doing, and it's such a story of hope. Yeah, I remember just a little over a year ago when I first met the two of you, and and to see you now, the the, and what you're doing. And I also uh, that article that came out about what you're doing in Ms. Magazine. Is that right? Ms. Period Magazine. Which issue do you know which one that was? I'm not sure. Okay. Okay, it's on your website. Check it out. All right, and yeah, check that article out. I'll tell you more about what John and Sarah did. John and Sarah, I sure have enjoyed this time with you and I thank you so much for what you're doing and the, the time that you spend to help maybe some couples that are listening to this podcast. Thanks for
1: having us, John. Thank you. Thank you for what you do,
0: John. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Relationship Rewire is produced by Growing Love Network. Growing Love Network exists to revolutionize our culture for lifelong love. You can find us on the web at growinglovenetwork.org. We welcome your feedback on this and any of our podcasts. Drop us an email at relationshiprewire at gmail.com. That's relationshiprewire at gmail.com. Is your church or organization looking for a course that doesn't just provide information, but actually transforms marriages and relationships? Then visit us at growinglovenetwork.org to see how our Growing Love course can work for you. Growing Love has been chosen by the state of Texas as a Together in Texas course, and it's also recommended for engaged couples.